0: It going? I have been sick as a dog. Ugh, COVID finally got me. Please be careful out there. This shit has not gone away. But I was really, really sick. Um, and that set my life back a couple of weeks, including making me have to push back uh last week's episode. So um, but you know, we're here now. That's the important part. And I'm really grateful to everyone who sent me some well wishes when I put out the announcement that we had to like skip a week and everything but thank you so much. Being sick has also put like a serious damper on my summer plans for a little bit or what I'd hope to accomplish during the summer. I love summer so much. I'm a spring baby and I try to do spring justice, but you know, those allergies will really ruin a good time, I swear. Um, you know, I come alive in spring. I start to feel very bubbly in spring, but summer summer makes me feel electric, you know? In October, I went to Dublin and in April I went to Italy again, but I am ready for another beach destination. I don't know where I'm going to go, but that's what I'm feeling in my spirit. I want a nice little all-inclusive resort with the pool outside my bedroom and the beach, a two-minute walk right around the corner. Maybe there's like a lazy river, you know, that you follow to the bar or something like that. That's what I'm feeling right now. Just me, the sun, a gentle breeze, a cold drink, a good book, ocean waves relaxing all of the stress out of my body. It would be even better if I had a delicious and handsome gentleman next to me waiting to brush the sand off my butt and to rub sunblock into my skin. But, you know, I I can do all that by myself it's fine. I don't need need a man, really. Um, But my DMs are open, especially if you are bearded and you play guitar and you can build furniture. (laughs) When summer comes around, I always fantasize about those beach getaways and ocean breezes and fruity strong drinks. But I also replay the memories of my summers in the South just driving around with the windows down outcast or UGK bumping during the day maybe some Erica Badu or Jill Scott at night. Music has always been such an important part of my life especially my creative life. It's why I always create playlists for my major book projects. I used to make mixtapes for myself all the time. That's how I know I'm feeling a dude and when I start sharing music with him I'm like, oh no, am I in crush? My four years, the entire four years of college, I dated the campus local DJ and I loved watching him practice, not just because of the stars in my eyes, but I also love seeing artists practice their craft and seeing what all goes into it. I love I love seeing like all the the details of that stuff. Good DJing is a skill. It is an actual skill. Now, some people will want to dismiss it as glorified playlists, making playlists and just hitting a button. But I really suggest that you look up the art of turntablism. Just go to YouTube, type in turntablism, and just watch magic happen. It is fascinating, just truly mesmerizing. My guest today is H. Drew Blackburn, a writer, and yes, a DJ. And he's going to get into all things DJing and how it brings peace into his life.
1: I'm Drew Blackburn. I am a writer based in Texas. Uh my work's been published by Texas Monthly, GQ Complex, a few other places. Um yeah, that's me. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um what we're going to talk about today is something that I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about and that is DJing. Right. Um, not only like what goes into DJing, but also like why you do it, and why it feels good to you? So, when do you remember, like, the first time you got interested
1: in DJing?
0: Who or what sparked your interest?
1: Wow, um, it's really hard to place. I mean, I've been around music in some way, shape, or form my entire life. A little bit of background on me is: um, I got an auntie, uh, Marilyn, who has been a singer since before I was I was born. She actually beat Sarah Palin in Miss Alaska. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean I've been I, I used to go to Atlanta where she's been since the 80s in the summers and just she'd take me to her gigs and I'd be there you know yeah. <laughs> in the smoky rooms playing Pokemon on my game board <laughs>
0: um,
1: my mom was um, a journalist when I was growing up and for a long portion of the time she would work for like the Tom Joyner syndicates um, oh. on the radio uh-huh. So I would always be listening to old school R&B on the radio because that's you know, where she, she did the news. Um, and I have an uncle who was a DJ when I was a kid. And I have a big cousin who was a DJ. I've always been around music. I played trumpet when I was in high school. So I can't really place what got me interested in DJing. I wasn't really ever, ever interested in it until a couple of years ago.
0: So you were surrounded by all this music. Um, were you born and raised in
1: Texas? No, I was born in Alaska. My grandfather, um, he he was in the military. My family, like the roots are in, in Louisiana. Yeah, my, my grandfather met my grandmother and, um, in Louisiana, and they bounced around in the military and retired in Fairbanks, Alaska. Mm. Um, and then I was a military brat myself. Um, and I, I've been in Virginia, Clarksville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to, to Texas, and that's pretty much I spent the bulk of my my childhood out out in Texas.
0: Well, I was asking about where you were raised because I feel like the South has such a rich musical history um, and music culture that it's just like impossible to escape music in the South. Um, Yeah,
1: like, I mean, I was born in Alaska, but I I was there until I was about three or four. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, I just basically spent most of my life around the South. Somewhere. Um, And I definitely feel that. I mean, the music culture here is so vibrant and you just can't go anywhere without walking down the street with loud music playing or going anywhere, (laughs) any type of bar with live music. I'm in Austin now. And then, uh, you know, they say it's a live music capital world. I think that's changing a bit. But I mean, still, there's a lot of great places where you can go and just find any type of music out here. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just it's so hard to escape and it starts to become a part of your life uh, more than you would ever imagine.
0: And so you said that you started DJing a few years ago. Um right. what what made you decide to get uh to get on board? Did you like go out and get some equipment first or what yeah. what happened?
1: Well, I just, you know, I used to be something called the clubs editor. Guess your job was to go to local shows and write about concerts. And I would go to a lot of events where DJs were playing and they're playing a lot of music I love. But also I wasn't hearing the type of things that I wanted to hear. A lot of very contemporary music, like super aggressive rap where it's not really, mm. you can't really dance to that. I mean, you go out yeah. and there's like women twerking in a corner and then dudes just like rapping in each other's faces all aggressively. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a grown up version of like Saka. <laughs> that's what yeah, it looks yeah, like
0: yeah yeah
1: so I was just really interested in exploring um more dance focused music where people in a time when people used to actually dance together and it was a little bit mm-hmm. more joyous you know that's mm-hmm. really what made me want to get some equipment
0: and what did you purchase or get what was the the equipment that you picked up
1: I just got a, off of Amazon uh, what's the opposite of a shout out I want to do the opposite of a shout out to Amazon, <laughs> the bad company. <laughs> no, no. I just, I just got a controller off of Amazon and um, yeah, that, that's really all you need. Got some headphones too. And like, that's really all you need is a controller and headphones. You obviously need a computer. I mean, that's yeah. really all you need. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you a paid DJ? Are people paying you to come to the party and rock the spot?
1: No. Um, And when you, when you came up to me with like the theme of this podcast, it was a hobby mm-hmm. that you don't get paid for. And mm-hmm. I'm, Immediately, this came to mind because I've never been paid. I've never tried to be paid. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll, I'll actually try and get a lot better and make a little bit of money on the side. But it's really just something I like to do at home by myself. That's kind of a therapeutic experience. I have I've DJed a couple of times, uh, but it's just not not for any money. Just to be like um, of service to other other people.
0: So, what makes it therapeutic for you? Like, what kind of mixes are you doing?
1: A lot of times when I have writer's block. It's something that gets me out of it because mm-hmm. I like to tell stories, little stories when I'm DJing with the songs. Um, so that, that's the way it's very therapeutic because you're I'm locked down with my headphones. I'm listening to music, but I'm also like doing something. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're just sitting there in your bed with headphones on Spotify or anything. I'm actually doing something. So it's just, it really calms me. A couple summers ago when, you know, the George Floyd, Brown and Taylor stuff was happening, I was mm-hmm. really exploring a lot of protest music and doing that to kind of place my anger in a way that was a little positive for me instead of going out and going to protest. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing that as well, but I just was trying to do things internally that would help myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people look, look to music to express themselves all the time. But the special thing about DJing is you're actually, you're doing something. It's like playing an instrument or rapping or...
0: Yeah, uh, music helps me a lot when I'm writing. Um, I can't listen to music with lyrics when I'm writing. But beforehand, to get myself in the mood Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I, like, when I was writing my memoir and I was thinking about being in college, I listened to the music that I was listening to in college so that I could, like, firmly place myself in those memories and think about, like, what it was to be listening to Outcast and you know Badu and uh Maxwell and all that kind of stuff, you know at that time, and like listening to Snoop in the club, you know that kind of thing uh so it absolutely helps me when I am trying to write uh get into the zone and like shake loose some memories that I had forgotten or anything like that. Or if I am working on something that's fiction and I need to like create basically a character mood board, I -hmm. I put these songs together. So I'm wondering if that's also something that you do with your work. Um, Do you create kind of like mood boards for the pieces that you write?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I do have writer's block and I'm like, I mean, just I'm just going to tune this out for two hours. Um, I try and get things that are a little on theme with what I'm doing. But also, it, it always just devolves into me just having fun and just with the volume cranked all the way up, just dancing and sweating by myself <laughs> in the living room.
0: <laughs> and so when you're a DJing, you are, are you actively, like, blending and, like, figuring out, okay, this song has so many beats per minute and this song has so many beats per minute, let me figure out if they're going to work good or, like, this Cardi song sampled this song, let me see how I can, like, Get them to talk to each other now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the fun parts about it. Um, I think uh here's the amateur critiquing the professionals. Uh, I think that a lot of times DJs are a little bit too reliant on that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're too reliant on doing a mix. They're 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 playing a song for 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's also one of the things that really got me into it. It's like when I go out and I'm drunk and I you play a song I like. Mm-hmm. If the third verse is great, I want to hear the third verse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> everybody,
1: everybody turns off the third verse. They turn off the great second verse. And um, that's something that really got me into it. But yeah, I mean, part of the fun is is creating fun mixes, especially the songs that you wouldn't think would go together. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one of my go-tos is I do um, Arrow Through Me by Wings. And it has this driving, really, really funky bass line. And then I, I mix it with Some Cut. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's just so fun to find things that you wouldn't think would go together that fit perfectly
0: mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, so, you are relying on music files on your computer and the controller. Uh, do you want to get into turntableism? Like, are you, or do you want to like graduate into vinyl and scratching and doing tricks and all of that?
1: I think one day I definitely would. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I got to master <laughs> what I'm trying to do now. But yeah, I mean, I think the element of scratching is so, I mean, I have a love hate relationship with rap music. Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm sure you do too Mm -hmm. but um rap is such a big part of my culture and who i am i want to get more in tune with if i'm gonna dj i need to learn how to scratch Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so much fun i mean it's such a big part of the the element of hip-hop
0: yeah i when i was in college my entire four years of college i dated a dj he was the campus dj um he had a lot of gigs around town. So I would, you know, I was the DJ's girlfriend. So I would be like <laughs> carting a thing of, a, you know, a crate of vinyl so I could get into the club for free um, <laughs> or, you know, stuff like that, or watching him practice and do all that kind of, you know, all the little stuff like that. And again, this was the mid to late nineties. So hip hop was much different at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what always struck me, Was the way that he would just zone out, you know, and be. It was very, he looked very peaceful. Mm -hmm. Even when he was like practicing tricks and stuff like that, it was just like no one else was there. And I'm wondering when you're feeling that peace and they're like, I don't know, maybe your girlfriend is there or your friends are there around, like, are they completely like blacked out for you? Like, are, is it is it just you and the music and that's it? Or are you aware of people around you?
1: I'm not. Uh, there have been times where I'm in the living room and I'm DJing and it's like 2.30 and it's a weekday and I'm just into it. I'm in the... My- You can't really hear how loud you are when you're talking. Headphones, especially all the way up. And I'm just screaming. And she's like, you need to calm down. I need to work. (laughs) 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 I got to get up. I got to get up for work in a couple of hours. You need to calm down. You really can just lose yourself in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really, I don't go to therapy. Um, It's too expensive. So I don't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I haven't explored that. But um, just to really hammer in on the therapeutic aspect, you really lose yourself and you start to kind of meditate and think, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh think about life and how how it connects to the music that you're that you're doing. That's my experience. Yeah. I'm sure your boyfriend may have had a different experience because he might have been thinking about getting some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not.
0: <laughs> um so you mentioned sometimes you uh, have a theme for like the sessions that you're doing. Um, what were some recent themes uh, that you have worked on? And do you create a mixed playlist? Um, do you save them and come back to them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be listening to music while I'm cooking on like Spotify or something. If I really like a song, I'll like save it for later. And then I'll have like this whole list of songs that are like disco seventies and like, um, I'll, I'll work through that. Yeah. And usually the themes I do is just like, maybe I'll have a theme where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do like women, Neil Soul nineties right now, or I'll do like women in rap or I'll do like Texas rap or something like that. Those would be mm-hmm. the main themes that I do. But, um, sometimes I'll do it like a protest theme and I'm like, how many, you know, how can I, how many fucked up police songs can I, mm-hmm. can I do in a row or something like that? So even though
0: you don't DJ a lot of things for outsiders, do you create like, um, um, you know, a mix and give it to your family and friends and how do do they respond?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of mixes I put together and sent to some friends. Um, I have a friend who's a DJ and he had this song that I watched his set. He was DJing for like bands or something. Um, Shout out to Michael Feldman. (laughs) <laughs> and this song played, and I was like, what's that song where they're talking about stinky bones? And he's like, no, it's called Skate Depot. Um, and I was like <laughs> obsessed with this song. It's called Skate Depot. <laughs> it's by channel trans. So like I made a mix and I like had that song in it and I sent it out to him and I was like, yo, you inspired me, <laughs> me mm-hmm. to like do a whole mix on this song because I was just so enamored by it. And um, yeah, sometimes I'll just put a new mix together because I'm um, I'm excited about something I do and I send it to a couple of friends.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you do like, babe? I don't, I don't. I ain't got no money for Valentine's Day, but <laughs> let me let me send you this link <laughs> to this mix. Yeah,
1: I don't think that would cut it. i actually i am actually a really good cook so i that's that's the that's what i get away with (laughs) okay
0: okay well you could do you could do like okay here's a really nice dinner and then the the music that is accompanying us is is something that
1: i put together you might have just put me on some game right there see
0: i'm trying (laughs) listen i can i can help you out Um, (laughs) Uh, so once you got more comfortable with DJing yourself, mm-hmm. cause you, you said it's been a couple of years. Um, and what did right. you get started? Did you officially start for yourself? Like at the start of the pandemic?
1: Uh, it was before the pandemic. Oh, okay. One of the events I did where I DJ for people was actually, um, I was in DSA out in Dallas uh, for a few mm-hmm. years and, um, <laughs> we had this thing called promunism. It was like a prom for adults with, uh, it's like a play on communism and prom. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I DJed that and it was a couple of hours where I was DJing. And this is another thing where I have a lot of respect for DJs. Um, but it also frustrates me is that like you really just got to play to the crowd. Like I was mm-hmm. playing a lot of music I love and it was like mm-hmm. nobody's going up for it, but I played dancing queen and then the place just went wild. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So
0: that's something that I've heard from a lot of DJs where they're just like mm-hmm. the crowd just really wants like the McDonald's of music um mm-hmm. and they don't really want to get into anything too deep. Sometimes I can understand. Like it it depends on the context of the party and, you know, mm-hmm. but when you are at home, do you ever try to practice? What would it be like to be a corporate DJ where I'm going to, you know, going to gigs or I have to serve people that I'm not really, they're not my audience? Absolutely not. No,
1: I mean, <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, and I think the thing about DJs playing to their audience, I feel like there have been a lot of times where I've been out and there's the less people are there, the more you get uh, insight into their taste.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if if you're at an event where it's just like a bunch of friends drinking like free drinks or whatever, like mm-hmm. twenty people, then you're gonna hear what they really love. But um the more people you're, that are there, the more money they're making, the more they're having to you know have to focus on it being being a job. So when I mean, when I'm at home, like I'm never that's never a part of my thought process because I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm it's an audience of one. <laughs> so
0: yeah. And do you have a DJ
1: name? I don't no. <laughs> I don't know what I do. I don't know what it would be.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. What would it be? What would you want to like
1: pull from? I'm a big Outcast fan, so it probably I'd probably just reference something to do with Outcast. Maybe, maybe Chico Dusty.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm wanting to, I want to see if you progress and then mm-hmm. you're just kind of, even if you don't ever play for anyone else, but if you progress into naming yourself and then like, do you want some stickers to slap on your laptop and, <laughs> uh, you know, your headphones? Like, like how deep do you think it'll it'll get for you?
1: I don't know. I mean, right now, I really just like having fun myself uh that didn't sound right i'd like to just play music <laughs> <laughs> play music you know the privacy of my own home but i mean i don't know what the future holds with it uh right now it's really just a big hobby but maybe somebody will be like hey we'll pay you 200 and i'll be like okay sure mm. 200 bucks I'll, I'll take that for a couple hours just just playing music and then it might grow into something a lot bigger Don't know, but I don't ever. I'll never be like a full time. Yeah, Um, I was in the service industry before, and I'm like that life of being out five days a week, up until out until three or four. Mm -hmm. It's just it's not something that I can do.
0: Yeah, I I was a retail worker, you know, in high school and college, and I learned very quickly that that's not for me. I don't like customer service. (laughs) I don't like having to, uh, you know, appeal to so many different people's moods for the days or, you know, people who think that uh, because I'm in this service position, that means that I, I have to be treated any kind of way. And I think that that also applies in many ways to someone like a dj because Mm -hmm. you know people coming up slipping here's a request play this song you haven't played this song you haven't played this song why haven't you played you know that kind of thing there's just a lot of entitlement and um and then you also have let's call them dj enthusiasts who Mm -hmm. stand next to the table (laughs) um and those usually come in like two shades there's the ones who are trying to fuck the dj and then they're the ones who are trying to like learn from the dj and just end up staring and making mm-hmm. the dj very uncomfortable uh so do you think in your uh just like learning and trying to like appreciate music have you ever been that second in that second group where you've just been staring at the dj and like making the dj a little uncomfortable maybe
1: no because i i have homies that are djs and like i'll i'll stare at their laptop for like five minutes and be like i'll get the step because, mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously that's annoying. And also I am trying to learn, but I'm also mm-hmm. trying to have fun. But I have been the annoying request guy because of this relationship I have <laughs> with mm-hmm. these people. And um, um, there's, there was a summer, I think it was like 2015, where I would just terrorize people and tell them to play a specific <laughs> song. It was this look at Risk by uh, Key McConan and father. I don't know if you know that song.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: It, it really is one of the songs that really started this whole like underground, left of center rap movement in Atlanta. It's kind of one of the songs that put it on a on a huge mainstream map. And it's like I was so obsessed with this song for like months and months and months. And I'd be out of the club and like, hey man, you gotta play this song. Please, please, <laughs> please play this song. And I just I'd be so annoying about it, but. <laughs> i've been the annoying request guy but i was really only with that song
0: mm. did anybody ever play it
1: oh yeah because i mean i would i would know these people oh they would okay. be yeah they would be annoyed but it's like i I knew these i knew it w- i would never do that to stranger.
0: yeah but what how did it go off with the with the people who are there in attendance did it go over well the song
1: well because i am s- such a soothsayer because I know the future and I have impeccable taste
0: Um,
1: Uh in the beginning it would be like me and the DJ would be the only people who would know the record. Oh, okay. And as time would go on, because it got bigger and bigger and bigger, it'd be like kind of a thing that people would, would love to hear. So,
0: okay. Um, and it also sounds like this is a way to kind of combine your family, your mom's uh, journalism background, and then your aunt's as a performer and then right. cousin and stuff like that. And so, how do they feel? My
1: family does not know that I, <laughs> that oh. I teach it. No, no I haven't okay. really, I haven't ever talked to her about it um even my auntie's 60th she had two birthday parties um mm-hmm. i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> she, she had one in smyrna which is right outside of Atlanta, where it's like everybody had to wear all white mm-hmm. and then we went to she took me and my girlfriend to cancun and she had a bunch of friends go to cancun but at the one in all white my cousin dj the party which is really fun but it's like i don't even know if i mentioned it to him i was just like talking about other things talking about how great he was a job he was doing, which was really fun to see him. I think he's probably around your age Mm -hmm. uh, playing to an audience of people who are mostly like 15, 20, 30 years older than him Mm -hmm. and seeing like what songs would go off for that crowd. Interestingly enough, one of the songs people love the most, this was last summer, almost a year ago to the day. One of the songs that went off the best was Leave the Door Open.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which
1: was a relatively new song, definitely by new musicians.
0: Uh-huh. But
1: it's like the crowd ate it up.
0: Yeah, it has such an old <laughs> school vibe to it, it and you know, it's also that kind of classy, nasty stuff that yeah. the old heads like. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> they they yeah. want to be nasty, but they also want to <laughs> keep it a little a little classy with mm-hmm. it. You know, um, so you're keeping this to yourself. Is it just because of that that strong therapeutic element for it? Like this is just for me. I don't want to. I don't want to share it with the world yet. Or do you think that it would? You know, if you share it, then somebody is going to like want to hear it and then offer criticism.
1: I think it mostly just has to do with it being a really selfish undertaking for the most part. Um, And that's not selfish in a negative way, but I mean, it is, it is all about me. (laughs) The reason why I do
0: it. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. How do you challenge yourself uh, with DJing? Like, is there anything where you're just like, you know, I'm not really familiar with this particular genre of music. So let me study and see what I can put together from
1: here. I think with house, house music is something I really challenge myself to learn more about. It's such an important piece of black music and black music history. I, I I love it, but there's also a lot of songs that I really don't. And it's just like it's just a certain quality that I really love. So I challenge myself to really find those songs to House and also like Garage, which is basically British house.
0: <laughs> yeah. And how has teaching yourself how to DJ bled over into the other aspects of your life, like your career? Um, even the way you communicate with your friends and family, if it has in any way,
1: that's an interesting, interesting question. I don't know if it has, but I think it's I think it might have made me a little bit better of a person because I have this outlet um, where I can think about decisions I I've, I've made and decisions that I need to make. Because I mean, I guess that's where a lot of the the real internal discussions with myself happen sometimes. Because that's the reason mm-hmm. why I do it. Yeah, so I, I think it's maybe maybe a better decision maker, a little bit more patient. I think, and I think those are really important qualities to have as a mm. I think we, I something I need to definitely work on: be more patient. Um, I'm not very good with that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh,
0: so you also mentioned that when you're uh, listening to music and you're getting really hyped that you're kind of dancing, working up a sweat, moving yeah. around a lot, yeah. has that helped you stay active in a particular kind of way or in a fun way, you know, especially over these last couple of years, where we have been inside and maybe you weren't able to get out as often as you could have, but that's it kind of kept you in touch with your body in a way.
1: Yeah. Um. Not really. It's funny you mentioned that because the other topic that I was, uh, toying around, uh, talking about was, uh, sandlot baseball, which is mm-hmm. something that I just joined and that's really helped me stay active. And it's really put into perspective my mortality because I, mm. I did, I played sports in high school. I played baseball in high school. Um, man, I'm the only thing that would ever really get sore is my arm. And now after the first practice, I could not move just, I could not move. And like my knees always hurt. And it's really put into perspective my mortality, but it's helped me stay active, which I think is super important. I think everybody should should do a little bit of exercise because our bodies, like they will break down if you don't use it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you wanted to say about DJing and what it has come to mean to you?
1: Uh, I just, I love it. It's fun. Uh, Maybe one day, a listener will be able to see me in public DJing. Uh, (laughs) I did send you a mix that you can maybe put up, put up uh, with the pod and um, people can listen to my impeccable taste and bad (laughs) 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 transition.
0: So now that I got to ask that, what makes a good transition? What's a bad transition and what makes a good transition?
1: Uh, Wow, a good transition. I think it just has to be really, really smooth, seamless. You get the BPMs matching up correctly, really a lot about tempo and trying to make these two different pieces of art blend well together. And some, it's, it can be hard sometimes. Sometimes it can sound like a little bit of um, just organized noise instead of music.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the misconceptions that people have about DJs, especially as technology has advanced and mm-hmm. people don't need to carry the crates of vinyl and all the turntables and all that kind of stuff for the speakers anymore that you can DJ from your phone. And so people think, oh, all you got to do is put together a playlist on Spotify or Tidal or Apple Music Listen. and that's it. You're good. I don't need to hire a DJ. I can just press play. And that is not true at all. It takes a lot Please speak to this. Uh, it takes no. a lot to learn how to make that transition.
1: Oxcore DJs are kind of like a surge because like DJing is an important element of hip hop. You can't just put together a playlist. DJing is a l- about a lot more than that. And like sometimes when you have an oxcore DJ, you can, a really important element is like feeling out the crowd and playing the crowd's interest. You know, mm-hmm. it's so important to, to blend your music together to get that tempo the thing about DJing is like it's kind of like a beat that never ends, and you have to keep it going. You it can it can speed up and slow down, but it's kind of like, mm. for the most part, kind of like a, a beat that never ends.
0: Yeah, one of the things I miss about uh, house parties of my Mm youth, um, is the way that the DJ would know how to match the moods, like, you know, the kind of like pop music or whatever that was going on when everybody's starting to arrive and then checks out the crowd, realizes, okay, everybody's getting warm. Everybody's getting a little lit. Now we get to the dance portion or whatever, then realizes, oh, snap maybe everybody's a little too lit right now. Maybe we need to (laughs) slow it down a little bit. Maybe we need to like, uh, whatever. And then that kind of thing. And I think that that is one of the reasons beyond just me aging and getting out of this stuff is why I no longer am interested in clubs, going to the clubs Mm -hmm. anymore, because I don't think a lot of DJs, modern DJs know how to really fill out the crowd, especially now that you have sponsored events and people yeah. have to keep playing somebody's song every you know hour or something like that
1: yeah well the music I mean the music that's played in clubs is like so moody and dark it's like yes I, it's and you, know, you can't really can't for real dance you can just twerk and and rap at each other which I, I love I mean don't get me wrong twerking is great but <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong but it's great but I mean that shouldn't your music, that shouldn't be the only type of dance you can really do to a song throughout the whole course of an evening. Yes. That's insane.
0: This is how I feel about TikTok choreography. Oh, that God. one, it looks like just a cheerleader routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and two... People don't know how to dance to a whole song. They know how to dance to the 15 (laughs) to 30 seconds, you know, of the, of the, of the TikTok snippet. Mm -hmm. And then they don't know what else to do after, after they've done their like TikTok routine. What are, what else are they supposed to do? Oh, I don't know. So I guess I will just kind of bend over and twerk. And again, (laughs) I'm not mad. Look, I love twerking. I grew up at a time where twerking, the the word twerk was new and popping and we were doing it, you know, um, twerking is fine. I don't have a problem with it. I want to just shout out to all shout out to the, the New twerkers. Orleans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially those in New Orleans who was doing it like nobody else. But it does get to a point where you're just like, okay, what's the connection here? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm older. So dancing was very um, community thing. Like we did have line dances and stuff like that, but we were also touching each other and not just like dirty dancing, grinding on Mm -hmm. each other, but we were also just kind of like, you know, the kid in play. What is that? That's two people connecting and like, you know, moving, you know, that kind of thing with each other. And now I feel like dancing reflects uh, where we are Mm -hmm. In our, you know, in the world right now where everything is very individual and very like distant from each other. And so I think that they're feeding into each other, the music Mm -hmm. and the dancing and all that kind of stuff. So. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about DJing and what it means to you. Where can our listeners find you on the internet uh, if you want them to
1: find you? They can find me at H Drew Blackburn. Uh, that's my ad on Twitter H D R E W B L A C K B U R N. And um, you can find me at H Drew Blackburn at gmail.com. If you want to offer me a job with a really high salary
0: <laughs> what kind of job are you looking for drew
1: any job that uh needs a good pen because i can give you that and yeah if you don't want to overwork me that's also really fantastic too
0: so you're looking for a good paying job <laughs> that will not overwork you yeah. i love it yeah yeah <laughs> And now it's time for today's indulgence, something you can enjoy without worry or guilt or shame. Let's leave the idea of guilty pleasures behind us. Let's be unapologetic in our pleasures. So today I am going to recommend specificity. I think too often we are afraid to be specific about what we want because we don't want to miss out on something or we think someone will make fun of us for having standards. Um, you know, and there are other times when maybe we don't want to be too much of a bother with our very detailed needs or desires, right? You know, it's just like, oh, sure, a kiss is fine. I don't need you to also play in my hair. No, ask for somebody to play in your hair. Oh, uh, sorry. I got, I got I got distracted by my own fantasy life. Uh, be specific with yourself and with others. For example, let's say you're looking for a couch, and you ask your friends. You go to the group chat, and you're like, "Y'all, I need a couch. Help me find a couch for for my place." And they ask you, "Okay, well, what are you looking for?" But you don't want to admit that you want a neon pink leopard print velvet fainting couch. So you say, oh, anything, as long as I can maybe sleep on it. So then everyone starts sending you like these beige and oatmeal suburban media room sofas or deep green chase lounges or these brown leather man cave behemoths. And you're just like, no, I don't want any of this shit. You didn't want to be ridiculed and you didn't want to explain your desire for this neon pink leopard print velvet fainting couch. And now you've got a list of things that you don't want that are in no way a part of your style or interest. And it's just like, mm, you're wasting people's time. You're wasting your time and your friend's time with their useless recommendations. Specificity is my number one writer's tip. It doesn't matter if you're writing poetry, a script, or a prose. Be specific. People think being general and vague is the way to reach a wider audience, and maybe that's true. But I found that when I drill down on a moment and write it as detailed as possible, that is when I get the most responses from people who can relate or people who get this idea in their head and they're just like, wow, what an image, what a picture you've painted. Here's like a little example of a a writing workshop with Nicole. Um, So let's say you want to write a sentence that shows a child loves spending time with their mother. Now you can write this sentence, Ricky loved sitting outside with mom. Okay, that's fine. Many people can relate to that. But what if you wrote, Ricky loved sitting on the front porch with mom, watching the birds settle into the trees. The only other sound between the two of them was of pouring lemonade as they refilled each other's glasses. Okay. Now we have a painting, right? Now there is a whole scene before us. Maybe, you know, for you, it was the back porch and sweet tea and frogs that you were listening to, or maybe it was the front stoop and ice water and cars driving by. But the specificity is what will bring you closer to your own memories and to your audience's own memories than something generic. That second sentence with Ricky and mom on the porch with the birds and the lemonade, that there shows comfort and love between them. It shows that they face the world together. And it also shows that they're taking care of each other's needs without being asked. That says so much more than the first sentence. I used to be afraid of being specific. I thought that people would tell me that I wanted too much, that my standards were too high, how dare I ask for something that I don't deserve. And I definitely got those responses. Um, I also worried that if I was too detailed in my writing, it would turn people away. And you know, sometimes it did. Sometimes people would see a long sentence and immediately check out. But my specificity served a purpose. Instead of me just saying, I want a house someday, And then people showing me these dilapidated one-bedroom, one-bath houses that need a whole lot of work or condos that I am not interested in or all this kind of stuff. By me saying, I want a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a backyard, then I get a different kind of selection and I can like fine-tune what I want far better than people just throwing something at me because I was general and vague. So... I encourage you to be specific in your life. Look for the neon pink leopard print velvet fainting couch. The thing is, you can be specific and open-minded. I know what I like. I know what I want. I know what I want my work to do. But I also recognize that I can change my mind. Be specific. Stay open. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver, our editor is Misha Stanton, and our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer-level patrons Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, Elizabeth, and Mira. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?